The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com um, If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Um, we're going to be uh, in verses 16 to 17. Um, and this is kind of part 2 of uh, this passage of scripture. Um, while, while you're turning there, um, author and educator Howard Hendricks, he sat on a plane uh, that was delayed for takeoff. And after a long wait, the passengers became more and more irritated. And Hendricks noticed how gracious one of the flight attendants was as she spoke with them. So I don't know if you've ever been on the plane where something went wrong and you sat on the runway for hours. Okay, so many of us have. Uh, that is like one of the most frustrating things. And one of the things that I always kind of got a kick out of was just watching the flight attendants to just watch like snap moments, you know, when you start seeing them talk to individuals and their hands are shaking and you're looking at them going, she's about to snap, you know. (laughs) That's that's how I had time go by. Like instead of sitting there getting mad, you sit there and watch the flight attendants. Try it. And just see how, like, you know, just take a bet with yourself. You know what I'm saying? I think in five minutes, that, that flight attendant, she's going to snap. She's going to crack. Anyway, um, <laughs> so he, he was having that same situation. And he said um, he noticed how gracious one of the flight attendants was as she spoke with them. And after the plane finally took off, he told the flight attendant how amazed he was at her poise and her self-control and said that he wanted to write a letter of commendation for her to the airline. The stewardess, flight attendant, replied that she didn't work for the airline. She worked for Jesus. She said that just before going to work, she and her husband prayed together that she would be a good representative of Christ a good representative of Christ. Now, I wonder today, as we look out into our world and we look at our current time and things that are happening, I wonder if this concept is beginning to escape us in our current evangelical culture today. I'm wondering if it's escaping us. Because if we profess to be a Christian, I'm just wanting to make sure that this is clear, And I'm getting this out. If we profess to be a Christian, it means that you are a representative of Christ. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, today you are a representative of Christ. We represent him. We represent Christ. We represent him. We don't represent a special interest group. We don't represent a political party. We don't represent a business, an organization. We represent Christ. Now, that's not saying, (laughs) that's not saying that we don't represent other organizations, that you can't be a rep of another organization. But what we're saying here and what the scriptures are saying here is that we rep Christ first and foremost. If there is an organization that you represent that's beginning to move against what it is that Christ has called us to do and what Christ has called us to be, 
Family, I don't care how much they're paying you. You run. Because we represent Christ first and foremost. It's all-encompassing. Not just some of the time, not just part of the time, not just in certain ways, but family, we represent Christ all of the time. And I think that I think that more and more today, as I think about this, I think that this issue right here is something that I think the body of Christ, we need to start taking more serious. I think that we're trying to be, and I know we take this out of context, but we're trying to be all things to all men. You know, we're trying to be cool with the culture. We're trying to get the culture to see that we're cool. You know, we're trying to get that. We're trying to get that whole thing. I, I get what, what it is that we're trying to do. But what we're starting to lose, it was we're starting to lose the fact that when you profess to be a Christian, you are standing there and an individual should be able to look at you and recognize and see and depend on one simple fact, that you are truly a representative of Christ. It's super important in our culture today that we can tell the difference between who is a sheep and who is a goat. Super important that we can do that. Super important that our culture can do that. For the sake of the sheep and the goats out in our culture today, it's important that when we actually run into a sheep, that it's actually a sheep and not a goat. Now, you thought I was going to say a wolf. Yeah, that too. Our world needs this. Family, there's going to be a point where people in the world are going to break down and they're going to have no answers and none of the fancy quips and quotes and all of the stuff and all the Discovery Channel TV shows that they've watched is not going to be helping them. And they are going to need real answers from somebody. They're not going to those who are fake. Absolutely not going to go to those who are fake. We got to be real. We got to be for real. So many everywhere need this. Our world needs this. The church needs this. So many everywhere needs this for us to be representative of Christ all the time, everywhere. What if, see, this is, this is why I'm, I want, I'm hoping that we'll recognize and see the disappointment in this. What if we go to someone who's dressed like a police officer when we needed a police, police officer and find out that he is dressed like one, but he's not actually one? You needed a police officer. You went to the police officer and found out that he was just dressed like one. He wasn't really one. What if you go to someone dressed like a fireman when we needed a fireman and find out that he dressed like one but was not actually one? How disappointed would we be? How much trouble would we be in? What's going to happen when someone goes to someone who professes to be a Christian when we need a Christian and find out that he professes to be one but is not actually one. Not very nice, is it? Family, we are called to be ambassadors of Christ and the world absolutely needs ambassadors of Christ. We are called to bear his name and the, word, the world absolutely needs people who are going to bear his name. We are called to be Christ-chians 
Not just some of the time, not just once a week, not just on Sundays. Everything we do, everything we say, every time, everywhere, we are to be representatives of Christ. Everything we say, everything we do, we do it in the name of Jesus. Yes, family, we have a rep to protect. We have a rep to uphold. We are to be representatives of Christ. Let's take a look. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Colossians 3, 16 to 17. Let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that your word will light up our hearts and light up our lives to help us to see what is true, what is precious, what is righteous, and what is holy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the importance of representing Christ in everything that we say and in everything that we do. The second thing we're going to look at is we're going to see how much we have to be thankful for, namely for the redemption that was given to us. So family, our thesis statement this morning, um, again, our thesis is me trying to summarize the entire sermon in one sentence. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to lose sight of our identity in the confusion of post-post-modernity's idealism, and the fear of being canceled by our culture, it is the scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit that will cause us to recognize our real identity in Christ and the faith to submit to his authority and depend on his power. You know, it's interesting, I was reading an article about the fear that modern day pastors have of being canceled by our culture. You know, because everyone talks about, you know, cancel culture, cancel culture. We got this cancel culture, all this stuff. And so pastors are very terrified of this. You know, they fear like if, you know, if I get canceled by my culture, then that's basically it for my life. And I'm reading this and I'm hearing all, I'm reading all the excuses about what they're going to lose, about, you know, the ground that they've gained and all of this stuff, what's going to happen to them personally, what's going to happen to their family personally, all that stuff. And, you know, the, the thing that I thought about was um, I could think about is, yeah, I get it. You're going to stand up for what's true. You're going to stand up for what's right. And yeah, there is a good chance that you're going to get canceled by our culture. But let me tell you what else you got a good chance of. Getting canceled by our Lord. And I guarantee you, that's going to be infinitely worse. We got to understand that we are representatives of Christ. And right we have here, right at the beginning of our passage of Scripture, we got the old lego, a, and ergo, meaning word and deed. Hey, he's talking about word and deed. Anytime you see the Scriptures refer to word and deed, it means every single part of your life. 
It means everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you touch, everything that you walk to, you run from, every single thing that has to do with your life. He is talking about this right now. He's pointing this out. When you see word and deed, he's talking about every single thing that encompasses your life. It solidifies the concept of everything and whatever it is that we are doing. I like the way Dr. Kent Hughes, he explains it this way. There are a few exhortations in scripture that are more comprehensive than this one. Word or deed takes in everything in life. Deeds can be preaching, teaching, eating, exercising, driving, cleaning house, shopping, visiting, working, playing basketball, soccer, tennis, fishing, even watching, everything. Our words are everything that passes our lips, even in unguarded moments. Everything we say or do is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Every single thing that we do, we need to do it as a representative of Christ. Hold on one second. Hey, babes. Okay, so it's like, count, it's like a countdown. I think I've like got 5% left. Can you go print it out? Because I just tried on my phone and I need bifocals. Yeah, I can't see it. I'm trying to, but I, I, I might. I might be able to. Just, yeah, it's called Rep to Protect on my desktop. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, oh yeah, I might need that, Frank. I, I do, but then I'm going to have to do the on and off thing. Because if I wear those reading glasses, I can't see anything else, right? And yeah, I don't know. I don't have Air Force eyes or Army eyes. Do I have Marine eyes? Oh, oh okay. Well, Don's got glasses, but you know, that's reading glasses, though, right? See, Don can't say, if he doesn't have 20 20, he can't say it. He'd lose his pilot's license, right? <laughs> um, Dr. Doug Moo, he writes this The combination of word and deed is a common way of referring to the totality of one's interaction with the world. Everything, including what we say and what we do, should be governed by the consideration of what it means to live in the realm of the risen, risen Christ. Again, to make it simple, everything we do, everything we say, <laughs> every step you take, Every move you make, we need to be a representative of Christ. Amen. He's talking everything, family. Everything. I don't care where you are. I don't care who's around you. I don't care what's happening in your life. He is talking everything, anytime, anywhere. He is making it emphatic that there is not, this is not one of those areas where there's a lot of wiggle room. There's no wiggle room in this. The point that Paul and Timothy is making is that there are no exceptions to this rule. He's telling us that there is never a time, never a time you're going to be able to bring it up to them as an exception that you are not able to be a representative of Christ. He's getting rid of it all. That's the whole point of this. Not, there are no exceptions, no wiggle room. Wiggle room for what? 
there are no exceptions for us at any time or anywhere for us to not have to be a representative for Jesus. Our entire lives are to be identified as a representative of Christ. We live, we work, we eat, we play, and we die as representatives for Christ. You know, and that's, that's an important piece. Did you know that in church history, you can read instances time and time again, especially when it comes, with the, when it comes to the martyrs. You know, they, people will always say things like, you know, hey, you know, we want to live for Christ. We want to live for Christ. We want to do all these things for Christ, all this stuff. And one of the things that the martyrs always, a lot of the martyrs would point out is he always, they also say that we want to die for Christ. And the thing I thought was really interesting about that is they're essentially talking about representing Christ. I want to die as a representative of Christ. You know, the idea of dying well, you know, people will say that, you know, you got to die well. You know, this past week we've been having to deal with this idea of death and dying and all that. You know, and, and so the, the thing that goes around is like, yes, even at the moment when we die, we still want to be a representative of Christ. So let's take a look at a closer, a little bit closer look at this passage here. The first things first, I, I just want to point this out because this is so emphatic. The word kurios in the Greek, meaning Lord, is being used for Christ. Used for Christ. The Old Testament, it was kind of the word that was used for Jehovah because they didn't want to say the word Yahweh. So what's interesting here is this Greek word is used in the Old Testament for Yahweh and we have another picture, an instance in Scripture announcing the divinity and lordship of the God-man Jesus, that he is making it very clear that the Lord is Christ. Lord is Christ. But watch this. In the name of the Lord does not simply picture the use of the name of Jesus in all that we do. Now, it's just really bizarre. I was you know, flipping through you know, some of the YouTubes and I landed on the passage of scripture that they're talking about. And, and, the, and the preacher was actually saying that what Paul is saying is that in everything that you do, you wave your hand and you say in the name of Jesus. It's kind of weird. I know. Just, there's weird stuff out there. Okay. It's kind of strange. Okay. And I, and I bet you their church look at us and go, well, yeah, that's kind of a, that's a strange church. Anyway, but everything that you do, you just make sure you're waving your hands. So it's just like telling people, you know, so you go to McDonald's, you get your food, you go in the name of Jesus, you know, all this stuff. It was just kind of bizarre. Now, again, I understand what he was trying to say, that he was talking about at that point, what you're doing is you're invoking the power of Christ in your lives. Now, as a representative of Jesus, do we invoke the power of Christ in our lives? Absolutely we do. But what he's talking about here is not just that. That's why I kind of like um, when we're, I'm doing my translation, I kind of like the, the New Living translations on, on this, even over the ESV, because in the ESV it talks about in the name of Christ. But in the NLT it talks about as a representative of Christ, which I think encompasses the whole idea of what it is that this is, what Paul and Timothy are talking about, is that when you represent Christ, it's not just the ability to invoke the power of Christ, but it's also standing on the authority of Christ, and it's also sending the message of Christ to the world. It's so much more than that. 
It's more than this. And I think a lot of times we've got to make sure that we're careful in understanding that as Christians, our whole, our whole foundation is not simply on the power of Christ. And it absolutely is. The power of the Holy Spirit does wonders in our lives. It's, it's absolutely important for us as Christians to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But there's so much more to it than that. So much more. To be able to stand and to represent the authority of Christ to to the earth. To be able to stand there and to speak for Christ in what he revealed to us. To speak for Christ in the revelation that was given to us. The authority. It's not just his power, but his authority. Not just his authority, but his power. And I think that that's important that we recognize that Christianity is, is so much, it's so much more. You know, as disciples of Christ, we are called by God. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to deny ourselves. We're supposed to take up our cross and we're supposed to follow him. And what the idea is that we've got to understand is the more we deny ourselves, the more that Christ becomes a part of your life. You know, that's the thing about Christianity that's just so awesome and just, oh, thank you. So awesome and so amazing. Um, Yeah, I don't need that. Um, But thank you. Oh, man, this is going back to old school here. Let me get rid of all this technology. This stuff just gets in the way. Man, I can't remember the last time I actually spoke from paper. This is great. This is great. My uh, preaching coach told me that he thought that I preached better with paper because I have better eye contact. We'll find out. Um, So we are disciples of Christ, right? And here's the thing. Denying yourself... This isn't something that God's trying to do to cause us to suffer great humiliation and to suffer from it from having stuff. Because the the more we deny ourselves, the more of Christ we have in our lives. And I'll, I'll tell you this right now, just in case you were wondering, more of Christ in your life, less of you in your life, more of Christ, less of you in your life, is always going to be infinitely better. So it's not like he's asking us to do something that's not beneficial for us anyway. You know, I always always thought about this. You know, one of the things when I was in high school that I realized early on in in age, when I was kind of in a a small, you know, I had rebellious moments in high school, you know, because, you know, young, insecure, you know, trying to impress girls, you know, all that stuff. You know, all that, so those insecure things. And I remember going out and hanging out with my friends at, like, clubs. You know, in Denver, there there was a time where the 18 and under club scene was like the thing, so I went out and would hang out in clubs and all this stuff. And I remember I was sitting there one day after the club, I'm sitting there, and I was just like, man, why did I go there? It's just, I can't believe I did that. God was watching the whole time, and it didn't do anything. And I just remember, every single time I went to a club or did something that I wasn't supposed to do, I regretted it, and I was miserable. 
<laughs> and I was like in sackcloth and ashes sometimes, you know, just pulling on my hair, trying to be like Job, you know, pulling my hair, going, God, God, God. Absolutely regretting the fact that I went to this club. And then it dawned on me, something absolutely extraordinary. Young people, older people, listen, some of you guys might, I don't know, some of you guys, you know, you, you guys don't look like you guys go to clubs, but, you know, I hear, I hear different. <laughs> I, I hear different. I hear different stories. Anyway, here's the thing that dawned on me. I regretted every single time I went to the club. Do you know one thing I never regretted? I never regretted going to church. You ever... Have you ever regretted going to church? Like, I went to church and I was just like after, oh God, why did I go to church? I can't believe I went to church. That was the worst thing I could have ever. We never, never regret doing what it is that God wants us to do. Isn't that amazing? The less of us in our lives, more of Christ in our lives, the better. Always, always, always better. And we, we represent, because if you're a representative of Christ, you, you know, you're re- representing him. To be his representatives, you represent Christ. You know who else you represent? You represent Central Baptist Church. When you go out there and you're doing your thing, not only do you make Christ look bad, you make us all look bad. You represent the body of Christ, specifically Central Baptist Church. Unfortunately... I represent CBC as well. Uh, Only one person got it. And especially if me and Connie are watching football together. (laughs) I represent Christ. What people know of me will be telling of what they will think of Central Baptist Church. I understand that. I see that. I recognize that. Not only does it look bad in our Lord, it also look bad, looks bad to the church. It looks bad to being a Christian. This is why repping and understanding that we got to rep to protect, that's why this is important. It is absolutely important. Check this out. The naming of Christ by a group of people, especially in Mediterranean areas, like this is mostly in Eastern cult- cultures, but let's just say specifically Mediterranean cultures, Colossae specifically here, In the world, this was a way of identifying themselves as much as it is identifying Christ. So we think a lot of times that, hey, I got to be a representative of Christ because this is how, you know, I'm going to act is how it's going to reflect on Christ. But we also found out that it also reflects on how it's going to look to the church. Do you know what else it's going to do? It's going to reflect on who you are as well. Yeah, absolutely. And our culture, we get this. This is why identity, if you talk to people about culture, you're understanding identity, getting their identity, understanding their identity, um, developing their identity, all this stuff. You hear this kind of stuff when it comes to identity, all this stuff. We got it. We understand it. Our identity, yeah, that plays a huge role. Being a representative of Christ also shapes and defines our personal identity. See, what they were doing is they're confessing their readiness to be known by reference to our Lord Jesus. Meaning that if you know Christ, you know me. I should be able to do that. 
I should be able to do that. Their identity was Christ and only Christ. And in the ancient Mediterranean world, this was in no way a light matter of labeling. To be a representative of Christ and to be combined with Christ, to be connected with Christ as your identity was humongous. The name was, in, was one of the main ways in the ancient world by which a person could be known. This is how his or her character could be disclosed. This is how one could, it's how you Americans say, get a handle on another. How someone could be known who was known. Meaning that all you got to do, I've never seen you before. Let's just pretend, let's just pretend John, I haven't seen John. I've never met John. I don't know nothing about John. John walks in here and tells me that he's a representative of Christ. I know him already. I know him as good in that one split 20 second moment. I know him just as much as if I had known him for 20 years. You see that? This, is, this was huge for me. You know, when we were, when we were on tour in the band, uh, you know, when I was doing the, the outreach and, and, and essentially being a music missionary as we were traveling, a lot of times, this is what I noticed that I thought was really interesting. Any new place we went, nobody there we knew. We didn't even know the promoters. We didn't even know anybody that was there. But if they were a Christian, man, it was amazing how much we understood together. Even the, the, we spoke the same language. Even if you don't speak the same language, you speak the same language. How we respond to circumstances, we could trust and rely on people, each other, in certain circumstances. When things went bad at our shows or when things went bad at the outreach, we counted on each other and we depended on each other knowing that we are representative of Christ. I know he's going to do the right thing. And I know that when this person is absolutely cussing out their promoter, I know that the promoter is not going to cuss him out back. That I know he's not going to punch him in the face. I know we're not going to have an incident because we are all representatives of Jesus. And all you have to do is tell me that you are a Christian and we're boys. Better yet, we're family. So you see how important it is. So if I'm depending on you to be a representative of Christ, how disappointing is it going to be when I find out that you're not? That you are not what you said that you were going to be. Man. And that's the other thing, too. In Hawaii, a lot of times we would be dealing with missionaries, man. And it was, there would be times we would be talking with missionaries. I've never met this person in my life. We're hosting this missionary. And we're sitting there talking like we were best friends in high school and we just haven't seen each other for a while. How can you do that? But I tell you, sometimes I have better conversations with missionaries who I can barely understand, better conversations than some of my family members that I have. Why? Because, you know, we say, well, Shane, you know why that is? Because you and the missionaries, you guys have so much in common. No. We have everything in common if you are a representative of Christ. 
That's one of the things I tell, I tell some of these church growth experts that come in. You know, you guys heard my whole spiel about how, you know, the church consultant, you know, life coaches, they're pretty much the heretics of our culture. Um, these, guys, <laughs> these guys are just absolutely phenomenal. But um, he was talking about how what you have to do is you have got to cultivate a community in the church. If you want to grow, you have to cultivate a community where everybody has a lot in common. And you're cultivating relationships with each other, so you gotta have a lot of people in common. I get this, I get this all the time. I get, I, what I get is, hey, you know, I just feel like I need to have, uh, to feel like we're in the same season with each other. Essentially, you know, we, I just wanna go to a church where I got a lot in common with the people. It's just phenomenal to me. And then to see that this is a principle that church consultants are telling churches that they need to do. And I just, I hear this and I'm listening to this guy and I just put my hand, my face in my hands like this. And I said, okay, number one, we don't want to necessarily be motivated by those pragmatic type principles. But let me tell you something. If you are a Christian and if they're a Christian, they have everything in common. Everything in common. You don't have to like the same football team. You don't have to even like the same sports activities. You don't even have to like doing the same stuff or even have the same taste in music or in the same taste in movies. All of those types of things are artificial. What you have in common with another Christian is everything. Everything. Because if we are all representatives of Jesus, then we're all repping the same thing. All you're telling me All you're telling me when you say that this is what I need, I need to have people that I have more in common with, is that you're not repping Jesus. And everything that you do and everything you say is not as a representative of Christ. That there is a part of your life, a very huge part of your life, that does not include Christ at all. And that's sad. That's sad. And this is being used by churches all over our country today as to how they're going to grow churches. So if you don't fit the demographic, then sorry, but this may not be the best place for you. Wow. As representatives of Christ, we don't have some things in common. We have everything in common. See, and that's the thing, family. I'm just ashamed to say today, do we... I mean, it's just like, are we representing Christ for real? See, when you look at our world today, and and I know this is not everybody, but it's just a lot of people who are more visible is really displaying something, a lot of stuff here. I mean, are we able to depend on Christians to do what it is and to be what we are supposed to be? Are we able to do that? Can we depend on other Christians today? Because that's absolutely what we're supposed to be doing. We're we're supposed to be able to depend on each other. Even even when we were people or where there were people who were difficult or who were, you know, antagonistic or who were in opposition of what we are to be doing, we, we could be dependent upon each other to do the biblical thing. See, do we realize that when we claim to be a Christian, we are all depending on you to actually be a Christian and to represent Christ to the world? I'm depending on you. 
I need you to do this. Not just, yeah, we got to make sure Pastor Shane is doing it. No, I get it. I get it. I absolutely have a responsibility. I absolutely have that responsibility to you to do that. But we all have a responsibility to each other to be who it is that we claim to be. In the realm of politics, what happened to brotherly kindness? I mean, for real. On social media, where in the world is the self-control? Are we being who we're supposed to be? Are we saying what it is that we're supposed to say as Christians? In the workplace, what happened to considering others as better than ourselves? When we're driving on the road in traffic, what happened to living at peace with everyone? When we're out in public, what happened to turning the other cheek? Do we realize that we are representatives of Christ? One commentator writes, Our actions must say that Jesus is and does exactly what he claims. Our actions must say that Jesus is and does exactly what he claims. One more time. Our actions must say that Jesus is and does exactly what he claims. Our actions should display who Jesus is. Our actions should display what he does. When we became Christians, we became new creations. We can't remain the same. Right? I mean, if, if Jesus says, if you're a Christian, you are a new creation. Which means what? That if we are a Christian, we're supposed to be a new creation. When we became Christians, we were filled with the Spirit. Do you know what happens to an individual? This is what God says. God says, this is what should happen to you if you are filled with the Spirit. If you are filled with the Spirit, you're going to bear fruit. And the fruit you're going to bear is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Are we supposed to see that in the lives of Christians? When we became Christians, we received power and the potential to really love thy neighbor and also to love our enemies. We're, we're able to do that now. When we became Christians, we will obey Christ when he told us to love each other just as he loved us. When we became Christians, we became those who would display hope, joy, righteousness, and peace. When we became Christians... We have got to take joy that we know Christ. Does knowing Christ make us happy? Does knowing Christ bring us joy? But it's even more important, family, that when the world looks at us, we are known for Christ. Not just that we know Christ, but that we are known for Christ. And here's the most important part of all. Not only that, but we are known to be for Christ and that we are known by Christ. Dad, that's huge right there. Because what you never ever want to hear in your life is Jesus look at you and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Not just to know Christ. Not to have the world know us know that we are known for Christ, 
but family, that we are also known by Christ. Depart from me. I never knew you. And when people depend on us to be representatives of the living Christ, that we are actually protecting the rep and we are being who we are supposed to be. Other Christians, family, are depending on us to be just that. I'm depending on you. I, I remember going to lunch with a friend because he, he needed to talk to me. And he was telling me about the lunch that he had with his pastor. And what he was doing is he, he went to lunch with his pastor. And he was confronting him on his lack of kindness that he was showing to some of the members that were going to the church. And in the middle of the restaurant, right here in the middle of a crowded restaurant, he said his pastor started yelling at him at the top of his, as, as loud as he could. And he said he picked up his fork and he's yelling at him. And while he's yelling at him, he's stabbing the table with his fork. While he's yelling at him. He goes, he goes, my friend, he said, I was horrified and I was absolutely embarrassed in front. All the people were looking at us All the people couldn't believe that here's this pastor with this fork stabbing the table. And he's saying he's taking chunks of wood out of the table, right, while he's stabbing it. And he said the manager actually had to come by and ask if everything was okay. Can we as Christians, much less pastors, can... Can we not display godly character, especially when we're in public? And embarrassed myself when my friend said that even non-believers know how to act with better behavior than that. And he had to go to the manager and he had to ask the manager, can, can I pay for the damage that he did on the table and, and all this stuff? And he, you know, the manager was just cool and he had to apologize you know, all this stuff. And he was just like, well, you know, so the manager got nosy and started asking questions and all he was doing was trying to avoid telling him who this guy was. <laughs> I just didn't want to say. And he was just like, so what, what is he like, your boss? Well, well kind of. Does he, what is, it, what, is he, what is he to you? Well, he's a friend. <laughs> he was just asking all kinds of questions about it and he just refused to tell him he was my pastor because he was afraid of what that would look like to this manager. I mean, some of you may have had situations like that where you're just absolutely horrified and embarrassed with your Christian brother or sister who was just out of line to people who were supposed to show the grace, love, and patience, and kindness that was shown to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I understand the temptation. I understand that it gets hard. Oh, yes, I understand. I understand what it's like. I understand how hard it is for us to display godly character and to be a representative when somebody is just unruly, when somebody is just rude, when somebody is just plain mean. It's hard. Uh, you know, you know for, for many of you, you know that phase two of our outreach here at Central Baptist Church has begun. And, and on our social media platforms, we're getting some real engagement. We're getting some engagement, aren't we, Candace? 
We're getting some engagement on this platform. And some of you who are watching and following the social media outreach that we're doing, and you're seeing what people are saying, you guys should go check it out and see what people are saying to, to your pastor on social media right now. The things that they say with the engagement, some are saying mean, disrespectful things to me and disrespectful things to our Lord because of what I'm saying. They even call me names. And one person called me a name that my kids thought were so funny that they're calling me it now. I wore... I wore, a, I wore a straw hat, Steve. I wore a straw hat, and I had this blue army, blue army kind of olive green, olive drab green, is I think is what it's called. And I had that shirt on, and I was talking, and I was smiling the whole time, you know? And it, and it got my bad side. This side's my bad side. And the, the guy called me Cletus. <laughs> but you know what? When I saw the video, and I was thinking Cletus, I was like, yeah, yeah he is actually right. My kids started calling me Cletus, all that. It was funny. But people actually call me names. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's really hard to hold back some of the things I want to say. Oh, man, some people set themselves up so good, I just want to jump right in there and humiliate them in front of the world. I want to do that. And yes, even when I'm threatened with physical violence, oh, man, you know, you know me. A lot of you guys know where I've been the last three years, where I've been training, the MMA training that I've had these past three years. I want to call them on it, man. I welcome it, man. I want to try it out. <laughs> I want to see if I wasted all that money. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm going to come over there and beat you up. Oh, okay. Can you? For real? Not talk. For real. I need this. I really need to practice. You know, all this stuff. I, for real. Family, I totally want to say those types of things, but I don't. I can't. Because in all things, in all ways, in word and deed, family, I am a representative of Christ. And I got to be that. Now, if you go look, there's this one video that I did where I decided that I was going to answer the fool according to his folly. And, and it was actually pretty fun. Go check it out. It's great. It's great. You guys can know how you're going to pray for me because we are really plowing some ground here. A lot of good things are happening. Because here's the thing. Some will actually message me and private message me and tell me, look, I see your character and how you're dealing with these people. I see what it is that you're doing and you're displaying a lot of love. You're displaying a lot of patience. And because of that, Shane, I am coming back to your station every single day to learn. Why? Because the world needs us to be representatives of Christ. They're looking. They're looking for the genuine article. One guy even told me, he goes, Shane, man, come on. I, I, I'm not even a Christian. I don't really know the Bible. And I watch these preachers on TV and I know they're lying to me. How am I supposed to believe in Christianity when that's all there is? Why are you allowing all these people to do this and say what it is that they have to say? And then the next scene that you see is them driving away in a Bentley. All this stuff, it's just the money, money. They're just lying to me so that they can get my money. Well, you know, you're not 
not everybody is that way, you know? And it's just like I start mentioning some of the TV guys that they should be listening to, and he's never heard of any of them. Can't get a platform for our guys that are speaking the truth, that are doing what it is that they need to be doing. I get it. I get it. And he was just kind of like, it's so hard because at times, who, you know, I always believed that I could always turn to the church. He goes, now I don't, just don't know. Is the church being the church? You know, there's a book, uh, uh, Postmodern Times by Gene Edward Veith. If you guys get, you got time to read, you should read that book. It's dated now because things have changed so much, but man, the ideal is still there. You realize that what he said was, he's talking about what it is that we can put our hope in when our culture is starting to get swallowed up by the culture. So if you are part of the culture, you're getting swallowed up by the culture, and if the culture becomes a problem, then you're just part of the problem. So he was just like, is there anybody we can look to? And you know what he actually said? He says, you could probably look to the, the Muslims. You know, these guys are willing to die for their faith. These guys are willing to do all of these types of things. I think the world will probably get its, its cues from the Muslim church. And, he, and the interviewer was like, well, well hey, w- well, what about the church? He goes, the church has been so consumed with trying to relate and be relatable to the, to the world, that the church has actually become a part of the world. And when everything goes down, when the world goes down, the church is going to go with it. It serves no purpose in our culture today. Why? Why is this? Jesus said we're supposed to be salt and light in this world. How is it that we can be swallowed up how is it that we can just, we're so concerned with being relevant that we're no longer relevant to this culture? How are we going to change that, Shane? It's super simple. We just got to be who it is that God has called us to be. That's it. And when something goes wrong, we need to not be afraid of being canceled by the world. But we've got to stand for what we know is true. We've got to stand for what we know is right. We've got to be a representative of Jesus. Then when somebody really does need help, they're the ones that we're going to, they're the ones that they're going to, we're the ones that they're going to come to. Seriously. And it's just happening more and more. And then a lot of the atheist friends that I have, the atheist friends that I'm starting to gain, uh, the people that just don't believe, people that are, you know, just absolutely hurt by the church, that are just disillusioned with the church, all of that stuff is they all say, one of these days I'm going to need to turn to somebody who's got answers. Who is that going to be? And so that's what it was. So this, this individual who was talking to me was just kind of like, I, I, was, I couldn't believe you know, when that guy called you Cletus, I was surprised you didn't reach out and try to figure out a way to cyber punch him in the face. And I go, well, you know, pastors don't do that. And he says, not the pastors I've been following. For real? Family, we're, we're, we've got some issues and we've got some things that we've got to control. But there's one of the things I have to remind myself is that we're not necessarily going to be able to fix all of this kind of stuff. The one thing that we do have control over is we have control 
over who we are and who it is that we represent. And that's all we got to do is we just got to be who, who it is that we are. And just like the disciples, the disciples only did what Jesus called them to do. You know what Jesus called the disciples to do? To go into the world and to preach the gospel. And that's exactly what the disciples did. They just did what Jesus said, go into the world, preach the gospel. And you know what they did? They changed the world. We just got to be who God has called us to be. We just got to do what God has called us to do. When Christ comes upon a person to bring him or her salvation, a true miracle happens. This shows that when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, a real transformation actually happens. This shows that the work that the Father had done in eternity past has come to pass, and all future endeavors will happen also by us representing Christ. In all that we do, in word and deed, we are showing the world that we are truly His disciples. And what a wonderful thing to see the disciples of the Lord. That's what the world should be saying. We're in trouble. We are having a difficult time. We don't know what it is that we do. Wait a minute. The disciples of Christ are here. The disciples of Christ are here. Thank God. That's how the world should see us. The world should see, thank God, that the disciples of Christ are here. Now, again, Here's, here's, here's where we get a little bit more, you know, grassroots. This, if the world doesn't like us, and that's the case, you're just going to have that, right? But it should be because we are salt and light. <laughs> the world doesn't like the light. The world doesn't like salt. We are, we are hated for his righteousness. Know that if the world hates you, they hate you because of me, is what Jesus says. We are despised for standing on the gospel, and we stand on the gospel without compromise. But, but Shane, you know, I, I want to see how, is your church going to be relative? Is your church going to be safe to the culture? Well, well we try to be, yeah, absolutely. Well, he does not identify as a him. How are you going to identify him? As a him, but you know the other genders, Shane. You gotta. The Bible only gives us two. Yeah, and I said it. And yes, I'm sure many of you said, "Well, I'm never gonna go to that church." I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I remember uh, as having a conversation with an individual and it's just kind of like, well, but Shane, you know, when we, we watch your videos, we see all these types of things, it's just, you, you have the ability, uh, my megachurch pastor friend was just like, you have the ability to have the biggest church in Colorado, in Denver. Why are you just not doing what it is that you're supposed to do? Oh, and I told people, oh, I told people, oh, can I do it? Oh, yes, you can. One of these days, I'll show you. Can I do it? Yeah, absolutely, I can. Can I preach in a way that I know that I'm going to draw? Yeah, absolutely. Can I say the things? I know what people want to hear. I could do it. I could totally do it. I could do this for a long time. You should, you should see, um, you, you should see the, I mean, I wish I had, back then it was tapes. 
they taped my sermons. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't have tapes, but even if I did, you probably don't have anything you can play it on. Of, of sermons that I did, or I could go take one deep breath, bang, and just let loose and go. Let loose and go. I've done it before. Even big celebrity mega church pastors would listen to me preach. And each one of them, for many of you, that, hey, can you turn that off for a second? For many of you that know, you know, um, I, w- I grew up in Marilyn Hickey Ministries. Marilyn Hickey herself would take me on encounters. And you know what I was to Marilyn Hickey? I was her backup. Here I am, an 18-year-old kid who was Marilyn Hickey's backup. So if anything happened during that time and Marilyn could not speak in that engagement, she would walk and she would say, Shane is going to fill that pulpit for you and he is going to turn your church upside down. Oh yeah, contacts with all, phone numbers of all the people in all these mega churches. Yeah, all I had to do was call. All I had to do was call, and man, I could get a speaking engagement. They would promote it. They could do all this stuff. So many things that I could do. Man, if Steve was here, Steve, no, he would, he would let you know the path. We're big name celebrity pastors. We're just like, Shane, you are our future, and our future is bright. Yeah, it was there. But you know what the things that is, is really important for me and what happened at one moment and I told you guys that one moment when I was shopping at, I, I was at Cherry Creek Mall and I was shopping and one of the members of the church came up and said oh Shane man that sermon that you preached on Sunday it was off the hook so you don't understand how much that you know he was still kind of growing he was a brand new Christian you know he was excited it's still you know just you don't understand he, but he'd been going to the church for a while you don't understand it's changed my life changed this you know a couple F-bombs you know that stuff going in while he's telling you that you know <laughs> And he's going all, boom, 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 all this stuff. And he goes, yeah, man, I've been coming for a while, dude. I just wanted to thank you for everything that you did. And the whole time I'm standing there, I'm looking at him going, I have absolutely no clue who you are. I was horrified that I'm discipling people in a church and I don't even know anything about him. Do you know what was even worse, family? I didn't even know his name. It caused me to look, caused me to look and to see what it is for us to be a representative of Jesus. And I know this is going to sound funny, but as a young pastor, it dawned on me that fame, popularity, the size of the church, man, I was looking through the scriptures on my phone and I couldn't find anything about that. And then the verse hit me. Paul says that he wanted to present to the Lord a pure church. Not a big church, not a relevant church, not a church that was dynamic and full of people who are alive. A pure church. And that's been my goal. That's the whole point of this. Because we are supposed to be representatives of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And sin gets in. The nature comes in. And it starts to pull at you. Monday morning when I get up and, you know, I wake up and I'm just like, man, things would be so much easier if they had more people at the church. And just, you know, same pastor stuff every Monday morning. But I always got to remind myself. 
yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to be canceled by the culture. I don't. But I would rather be canceled by the culture than to be canceled by my Lord and to stand before Jesus one day and have to give an account for the sermon that I preached that caused people to fall away from him. No way. No way, Jose. <laughs> Sin, it's real. And we face it all the time. And we face it every day. And the judgment on that is huge. Man, all I needed to hear was the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That did it for me. That's all I need to know. You don't have to talk to me about people in heaven getting poked by pitchforks. I don't know what imagery you use or what imagery is in your mind as to what hell is like. All I needed to hear was weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the one thing I realized is I want nothing to do with that. I want no part of that. That's why today I can say that I have good news for us that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the gospel of Jesus. This is why we do what we do. This is why we say what we say. And believe it or not, family, this is the reason why we can stand. The only reason why we can stand today is because of the blood that was shed for us, because of the life that was given to us, because of the power given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So family, be encouraged today. We're representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And people can come up and say, oh, I represent the King of England. I represent the, the, the ambassador of France and all that stuff. And these are all great things. These are all great things. But nothing in this world compares to being a representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So high. And family, and it only gets higher. That's the amazing thing about our Lord. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.